You're about to listen to Johnny and Hawk, covering all things Oklahoma sports, from the prep ranks to the college level, as well as the Thunder and Minor League Sports Tulsa. Now let's get to your hosts, Johnny Resendez and Dan Hawk. Welcome into the Johnny and the Hawk podcast. It's been a long time as Johnny's been on vacation. He probably went to Bermuda, but now he's back. And we're joined by a very special guest with Dwight Dobbins, former cornerback of the Golden Hurricane. Johnny, how the heck are you? Because it's been forever since we've had a podcast. Yeah, I didn't go to Bermuda, Dan. I went to Cabo San Lucas, had a blast over there. You kind of went to uh, Florida. Interesting place, to say at least. You went to Tampa. Don't know why anyone would go to Tampa willingly, but you know what? It's okay. Um, I'm here. We, you said, Like you said, it's been a while since we've done this podcast. Something has come since we've been gone, and it's football season. So now we're going to be talking all about that amazing, amazing game of just people just hitting each other. Beautiful, beautiful time. And it's even better that we get to bring in a, a guy that's lived it, done it, still a part of it, and that's Dwight Dobbins. Man, so glad to be here with you guys, man. All right, so we're going to go off with our first topic here. We're going to start off with the NFL. Now, there's a lot of stuff that happened in week one. I want to first focus on the quarterbacks coming out of Oklahoma. Out of all the colleges, obviously, OU has produced the most NFL QBs recently, at least. And all three of them showed out in Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, and Kyler Murray. Dan, I don't know if you saw Chiefs versus Browns, but... I watched a little bit of it. I mean, Patrick Mahomes did his typical thing that he always does in Kansas City, eking out wins and sneaking by the competitors. But I was very impressed with the way Baker was able to handle the offense. What did you think, Dwight? I was very impressed. So glad to see him really back on track. Yeah, so it was one of those things where, like, you with the loss, I mean, the Browns did lose, and you would think, oh, it's same old Browns, same old choking and everything, but it didn't really feel like that. The defense, obviously, has been getting a lot better. They just didn't close out, and then Baker just is showing more and more and more that he's a capable QB, and he's kind of, I would say, one of the top ten in the league right now. Um, It was just one of those things where, you know, it was a three and out and one drive, and then he – Unfortunately, got it intercepted that last drive. Um, But I definitely feel that this Browns team is legit, and they may be playing the Chiefs again in the playoffs. Um, But I would say the most impressed, I the most impressive QB out of all the OU QBs right now in the league that I saw was actually Jalen Hurts for the Eagles. There was so much questions about whether he was going to be a true starter for the Eagles, especially with like a new head coach and everything, and like how just unstable last season was but he did really really good against the Falcons of course you know it's the Falcons they've been playing like the Falcons right now um but he was 27 of 35 77 percent I mean how much better can you get yeah man it do like if you think about it coming from Alabama going to Oklahoma nothing's really changed going into the league and he's just that type of guy he's just he's just a winner at the end of the day um, I actually had a chance to speak with him. He's really good friends with Patrick Fields who plays at Oklahoma. And I got a chance to speak with him very briefly. But, I mean, what you see on TV is, is, is what you get. Like, he's like that. He's dialed in 24-7. Um, I remember even after games, he would be going to the locker room. Excuse me, not the locker room, but the weight room. He's he's working out after the games. Um, he's he's the, the first one in the facility, the last one to leave. So it's it's no surprise to really see him having success. When you speak to a guy like Hertz, I know it was just briefly, but 
he's a guy that he's the face of the Eagles franchise right now. I mean, how calm, cool, collective was he? Man, you wouldn't even you wouldn't even know that, right? About the guy again, a Houston guy. I have a lot of Houston friends. He's like he's like everybody else, man. He's just really down to earth, really cool guy. And again, just uh, you could tell by talking to him, it's just like that's the guy you want to be around, guy you want to talk to. Gives a lot of confidence. Do you think when you when you see him play, do you think he's going to have a breakout season, like just with him, or do you think that he's going to make everybody else around him better because of what he's been able to do with his time playing football as a whole? I think that's been him. I mean, he's been in the Heisman talks and different things of that nature in college. I don't think he's he's just like the the superstar quarterback, right, that we think everybody to be like a Kyler Murray. But he's definitely a guy that, like I said, you want to win ball games, he's definitely your guy. Yeah, I mean, also, like, he was coached by Nick Saban and Lincoln Riley. I mean, two of the best coaches right. in college football. I mean, don't you think that— Never like, heard of Nick Saban. That's saying— <laughs> You never heard of Saban? <laughs> Not saying Nick. But mm-hmm. uh, I feel like w- when you get coached by those two guys, you're you the, the winning mentality is instantly embedded into you. It's definitely ingrained. And it carries on to the NFL. I mean, is, is that just, like, how Jalen Hurts has always been? Just, like— where he's been has gotten him so ready mentally, not maybe not physically, but mentally for the NFL. Right, he's been so locked in. So I don't really know him personally, and, and, and really where he's come from. I know a little bit about him, but again, what you see is what you get. Like that dude is just—he's just a winner. It's, it's crazy. It's really hard to describe. But like I said, man, that dude can do anything. How close is he with that OU? you know, roster of players like Pat Fields and whatnot. I mean, is he still in tune with them all the time? Because I know you're very close with the bunch of these Tulsa cats that are now at OU and so forth. Yeah, man, you know, like, Patrick is a, is a, is a special guy. You know, he's really tight with Kyler Murray. He still talks to him um, very, very, uh, excuse me, a lot. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and, and Jalen Hurts the same. And and I guess it, it goes to those guys that kind of think the same way. And, and Patrick is a guy that... He thought like a Kyler Murray. You know, he wants to be a leader. Uh, he wants to be dialed in, locked in at all times. Same thing with Jalen Hurts. And so they kind of took him under his wing, and they're, they're just big brothers to him at this time. Speaking of Kyler, what a game he had. Hey, he right. did my Titan. fantasy numbers really good. Yeah, oh, you have him on your fantasy I, team. He's over 30 points. I eked out a win in week one, and I would say a lot of that was because of Kyler. I, even Animal. though I screwed up and didn't put Debo Samuels in the roster. I mean, that guy went mm. off. Yeah. For the 49ers, I had him on the bench, but that happens in fantasy football. It happens. Yeah, it's fantasy is a little – it's been a toxic ride for me for fantasy. So this year I decided not to do it just because it's Smart just boy. too unstable for it. But back to Kyler Murray. I mean, he had four touchdown passes. The box score doesn't really do it justice because if you saw the game – and, I mean, the Titans are a legit team. They're a legit team. And you saw how Kyler Murray extended plays, how he threw on the run – I mean, we're talking about a special type of guy who's leading the Cardinals right now who look like they could easily coast into the playoffs and probably win one of the toughest divisions in the NFC right now. What do you guys think? Man, that roster on paper, oh, my gosh, it's, it's lights out. I definitely play with them a lot on Madden. You know, shouts <laughs> out to them, man. They, they definitely win me a lot of games. But, uh, yeah, what, what they can do, like I said, on paper – if they can translate that and everybody stay healthy, I think that's going to be the big thing this year. Everybody I, staying healthy. The Cardinals are a special team, and I think they're a sneaky team because not everybody's going to be talking about them. I mean, they're all about Tom Brady. They're all about Patrick Mahomes. They're not talking about the Cardinals. The only people that are talking about the Cardinals are the fans out in the desert. Yes, it, yeah, definitely. Right, and, uh, you know, I just wanted to ask you guys, like, what else from week one in the NFL did you guys, uh, you know, just take away? My biggest takeaway is Matt Stafford. 
how he just absolutely dominated with the Rams. He's finally out of that cursed town yeah, that of was Detroit. To Would you watch it? I'm a Tigers fan, man. <laughs> okay, but are you a Detroit fan? Yeah, I mean, I don't mind the Lions, but I grew up as a Raiders fan. But, yes, I mean, it's good to see Matthew Stafford finally out of Detroit because I think good things are on the horizon for him in Los Angeles. But the flip of the coin, look how fast the NFL changes hands because Jared Goff was leading that out there in L.A., and now he's gone. Remember, this is a guy that brought you all the way to the, the playoffs and the Super Bowl, yeah, and now yeah, he's, he's gone? Guy. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I'm kind of in the minority. I think Jared Goff is still a legit QB. We're going to have to see with the Lions and how, you know, they manage him, but I'm just glad on the other side that Matthew Stafford, who was criminally underrated for most of his career, is finally in a team that, you know, they build around him, they uh, trust him, and they, you know, they want him to make plays, and he can make those type of plays with the weapons around him, with the team he has. I mean, the Rams are going to be legit. And like I said, they, he, they're there with the Cardinals and probably one of the toughest divisions in probably all of football is the NFC West. And, man, it's going to be fun whenever we get to see those divisional matchups. See, the NFC West is great, but the NFC East, besides Jalen Hurt, is still a dumpster fire because I know – my cowboy guy over here, Johnny Resendez, is going to be bleeding that Jerry Jones <laughs> cowboy star all over his face, but I still don't think the cowboys are back. Yeah, I mean, okay, listen, before I even talk, I am not a – I'm not a crazy Cowboys fan. I don't think we're going to go. Don't let him say any differently. I don't think we're going to go to the Super Bowl. I don't think we're going to, you know. The toilet bowl, maybe. I don't think Dak is going to. I mean, Dak played fantastic. He had over 400 yards passing. Don't think he's going to be like a surefire MVP. You know, Zeke, he only had like, what, 33 yards and 11 carries. I mean, there's. But he's got that beautiful feed me more tattoo. He's got some. I'm I'm proud of Zeke. I'm proud of Zeke and what he did. When he was putting in, he was putting in work as far as blocking for his guy. Yeah. You could tell those guys are best of friends. It's what it's going to take. Now, I do think Pollard is their guy as being the change of pace back. He's going to be perfect for that offense. I think Dak Prescott will be up for MVP at the end of the season. And I do think the Cowboys are back. Really? I, I really do. I really do. They like, got to change up. The a, year they got to change up. Listen, they got to change up a couple things on defense. Yep. They don't have to shut out anybody, right? With that offense. They're ridiculous. All they have to do is get a couple turnovers a game. Uh, look at Kansas City. I think it'll be that type of vibe where they get a couple turnovers a game and the offense will do the rest. So you like Kellen Moore leading this offense? I love Kellen, Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore actually did a pretty good job with play calls. He had yes. some pretty creative schemes. That, I mean, he had some good screens. With I mean, when you have those receivers and when you have a good offensive line, uh, those screens come in easy. And I mean, I think he was much more creative – I mean, probably in all the tenure of Jason Garrett offensively in that one game. So I think that's that's fair. That's fair to say. I think I would say that Kellen Moore right now, I was really questioning his play calling abilities. But, I mean, that game, I was like, okay, maybe everything's going to be okay. And I think now that they kind of cut the loose on this, they just let him free now. So he's able to do what he wants when he wants. And, again, he's got his his shot caller back in Dak Prescott with all those weapons and everybody being healthy. That dude, his mind is freakish. Like we think about freak athletes, we got to talk about that dude's mind, man. Like when he's when he's unleashed, 
you'll see the best of him. Yeah, and, and going back to Kellen, you know, I covered him in college, and he is Mr. Encyclopedia of knowledge of college football <clears throat> as well as now the NFL football. Yes. I think he's going to be a successful coach. I don't ever see him going back to college because now he's making that payday in right, the NFL. They couldn't ever I think he'll off. be a future NFL coach someday, and who knows, maybe he'll be the head coach of the – the mighty Dallas Cowboys are the, what I like to call them, the mighty Johnny Resendezes. Yeah, I'm, you're much more optimistic than I am because, I mean, being a Cowboys fan is like being in a toxic relationship. You think that they'll, like, you think that they'll change, right. and then they just do something where they just break your heart, and then about a week later they do something else that, make you, that gives you hope. It's always it's the cycle of the Dallas Cowboys fan. It's always been like that. Now, this game, you know, we did some really good things. Like I said, offensively, we were really good. Uh, defensively, uh, I mean, we had four takeaways. Four, we co- caused four That's turnovers. That's going to be the key. Which is really good. If we could keep that up, then you know what? It's going to be like like he said, a Kansas City Chiefs type of thing where we, we lead the team with our offense. But, you know, we still got to address. I mean, the secondary is still pretty young. It's still one of those things where you don't know what you're going to get out of them every single week. And something has to be done with special teams because my god i was gonna have my head yeah. was about to explode because of the missed field goals by greg zerline greg the leg what's up man yeah that 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 is a struggle the and other again, thing it's a different game the the other thing that raised my eyebrow a little bit is how you feeling about leighton vanderesh now that he's back you know I, he's i feel like he's gonna like slowly turn into that Sean Lee role where he could still kind of like make plays and everything, but he's not going to be that dominant linebacker that he once was. Same thing with Jalen Smith. I think it's going to be Micah Parsons' show. I mean, he really impressed me just as a rookie. He really hustled to the ball. On I mean, he was one of those guys where he just pops out on the screen. And I think it's going to be someday it's going to be his defense to run, and I like what I see so far. I hope they can keep all those guys together as long as possible. I don't know how long, much longer it's going to be. But if they can keep those guys together, again, Michael Parsons does all the hard work, and then Jalen Smith and Van Der Ash, they, they come in and they do their thing in the end. Right. Overall, though, you know, I think you should be a little bit more happy with your Cowboys. I'm not, should, I'm not. Get, I'm not. They, they did hold Tom Brady. You know, they kept yes. him in check for a while. I'm not you know? like giving him hope. Don't give me hope because then the toxicity will come back. Okay. I'm not doing <laughs> okay. it. But as a whole, you know, wrapping up our segment on the NFL, the biggest takeaway that you were asking, biggest takeaway, I think Urban Meyer is in over his head in <laughs> Jacksonville. <laughs> My goodness. Yes. And yes. how about this? Do you realize for the first time ever, Trevor Lawrence received his first regular season loss? Are you serious? Put that in perspective. Wow. He's You're never right. lost a game in the regular season. That's even, amazing. Even in high school. Right. That's amazing, isn't it? God. So I'm not saying that Jacksonville was going to be playoff bound. They did spend a truckload of money in Jacksonville. But so far, Urban Meyer looks very sad and pathetic on the sidelines. It's going to take a while. Yeah. Right. We're going to shift now to uh, more football. Of college football. Of college football. Uh, A lot of stuff happened this week. Uh, To stay local a little bit, do we really need to talk about OU's thrashing of (laughs) Western Carolina? I mean, I felt a little sorry. No, the only thing I want to talk about that is like pay per view games need to go away. (laughs) Like, I understand that it's Western Carolina, but no one should have to pay for that. Come yeah, on, yeah, just put please. it on ESPN no. Plus. What are we doing here by making the fans have to pay? I don't even know what it was, but it was probably at least thirty bucks. They need their own network. Th- that if you want to do yeah. that, but just get it off pay per view. No, I mean the, Notre Dame is kind of doing the same thing. I mean it's a much cheaper price, but with Peacock, 
I oh, I've definitely seen think that like if you that's the wave of the future, but don't make a fan pay for individual for games. It's the wave of the streaming. future is yeah. streaming for sure. But some people like me just have basic cable. Have the games on basic cable, or please. Or he's got a now. friend that'll hook him up with a password. <laughs> you, One of I those still streams. don't give I me stream everything. <laughs> yeah, but that, I mean, I just don't like pay-per-view football games. Like, if you want to do no. it for the national championship to hype it up, it's a little different. That's fine. It's a little different, right? Because then I treat it like a heavyweight fight for boxing. Exactly. I know Johnny's a big UFC guy. Like, do it in that aspect. But yes. for Western Carolina, and you're gonna make people pay for that. <laughs> I would and never. It ended up being seventy-six to zero. Yeah, I would never. Come on, like not, not even. I mean, the old days were like if you and I got a Mike Tyson pay per view where we're all spitting it, spitting in money. You know, ten bucks here, ten bucks. Easy. No one's paying money for Western Carolina. Can't do it. Right. I mean, back to OU. OU Nebraska for the first time in a long time. That is coming I would back. pay pay per view for. Be fun. That's gonna Just be fun. Just because that's the historicness. Exactly. Of it. It's gonna be fun for OU, but for Nebraska. <laughs> if I was uh, if down. I was in Lincoln, Nebraska, right now, I would be. Terrified of what's gonna happen. Of coming down to Norman. Oh, well, yeah. I know, like I know, Nebraska fans are very excited about this game, and I think the staff might be a little overwhelmed with taking on Oklahoma. But I think as a whole, I think Nebraska's amped up to be playing this game. So, you know, and that's uh, dangerous. It is dangerous. That's dangerous. And it is dangerous. Our other big game, since we've got a TU guy here, he played your mighty Cowboys yeah. up in Stillwater. You know, looking at this on paper. TU should have won that game. It's it's unfair that they didn't win that game. Right. I know that might piss you off, but it's no, true. Hey, OSU should not have won that game. Uh, you know, 28-23, Cowboys sneak another one by a team that yep. they should have blown out because the way TU's been playing lately, it should not have been that close. But, I mean, what was your first initial thoughts, Dwight? Frustrating, frustrating, frustrating. Um, and this is on the TU perspective. And this is on the TU's perspective, yeah. Just the whole game. I mean, but, yeah, definitely on the TU side, you, you want to see those guys play lights out, of course. Really want to see us shake that, I guess, that cold of a first game with, with the UC Davis. Um, they get a, still got to find their, their identity. Uh, I think defense played well enough. Offense made some great things happen. Um, just got to continue to put it together. And then we got to finish, finish, finish. It's cliche. But uh, it, it definitely stands the test of time. we got to finish at the end of the day. Yeah, from an OSU fan's perspective, I mean, there's so many analogies. You could say it's a roller coaster ride. It's like cardiac cowboys. I finally <laughs> figured it out, though. I figured it oh, out. Oh, you got it? Being an OSU fan is like if you're doing Navy SEAL training because whether oh. you make it or you don't, you still leave somewhat scarred. That's how that's it feels a, like to be a, a great one. Fan. Yes, but you got to be happy with LD Brown running off a 98 touchdown yeah, I mean, special run first teams time wise, since 2020. Special teams wise, I thought we did pretty good. Um, I thought defensively, I still think we're still on track um, because I mean I, I trust Jim Knowles in that defense. But man, was my Chuck Knowles? Chuck Knowles. Oh, Chuck Knowles. Gotcha. But man, was man was my Twitter blowing up with Casey Dunn just. His, I mean, <laughs> God, his approval rating was probably the lowest it's ever been after halftime. I love I bet, Casey I bet, they, Dunn, I bet they gave him a hard time. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, I would say that right now OSU's offensive line, not that they're not talented, they're just like still unstable in terms of lineups and everything. Right. And I thought TU definitely exploited that. Um, I mean, there was only about 135 yards of offense in the first half. Spencer Sanders, I mean, you – you saw what he could do last season, but it's it's like he's like kind of like a microcosm of like how it is to be an OCU fan. He has off days, and then he has fantastic days. 
And uh, I feel like in order for this team to really make it to where they really need to be, he needs to have consistently good games. Otherwise, it's going to just be roller coasters from here. And it's going to be a tough schedule. We're going to be playing on a blue field next yeah, it gets week. It's no easier. That's a beautiful it's field. No I'm just adding it. After that is conference play. Yes, and sir. who knows what's going to happen I, there. I think the biggest struggle with Spencer Sanders, he's 21 games into his Cowboy career, and I still don't know if we know where he stands as a quarterback. Yep. I mean, yeah, he was the, the MVP of the Cheez-It Bowl, but that was last year. Was Isn't last the year. old saying, yeah. like, what have you done for me lately? lately. Yeah. And now I get it. He didn't play in the first game of the season due to COVID protocol, but he's still not where I think he should be for Oklahoma State. Yeah, you thought the progression would have been a, a lot more uh, ahead of schedule in a sense, by this time. But, again, it's still early. Um, again, he's really a talented kid versus versus his arm, versus his legs. So I think he can do a lot. But what I know, again, from playing, the, once you go back and watch the film, it's never as bad as you as you think it was, and you never played as good as you thought you did. So it's, it's a lot of things to work on, and I think those guys will be all right. For TU, how frustrating is it? Because, like, this is now 0-2, oh and, and now they're getting ready to go up to the shoe where it's not an easy place to play, and those boys are definitely going to be angry and upset because of their loss to Oregon. I agree, man. You, you're leaving a lot of points on the, on, on, the, uh, on the field, so that definitely doesn't sit well. Um, we got to make our play. We got to tackle better. Again, it, it, it is frustrating because normally when we play well on defense – the offense is kind of lackluster, and then vice versa, right? When the offense is hitting on all cylinders, we can't stop a cold. So we, we got to put everything together, and at the end of the day, we just got to finish everything. If we do that, man, we'll be all right. I did want to say, I mean, like, for, like, the first half especially, <clears throat> excuse me, I was making the debate. I was like, okay, who's a better team? Whoever wins this, did the better team win? And when right. OSU won, I was like, okay, but did the – I'm going to, like, make the assumption that – the better team did win, which is OSU. I guess in terms of talent and everything, sometimes you know it was the debatable in terms of scheme. But I saw some stuff from TU where I'm like, okay, this is like a legit team. They just need to get their you know stuff together. They gotta you know carry on with the game plan. Just play you know football with no mistakes, and they could pretty much win any game they need to. Yeah, definitely, man. I saw a lot of great things um, on the outsides. Especially for the running game, I'm really excited about the running game. How those guys, both those backs, with Prince and then and then uh, Shamari Brooks, man, those guys once they get rolling, they they're gonna definitely change. They be some game changers in the uh, in the long run. And I love the quarterback. I, I believe his name is Davis, right? Davis Brown. Yes, yep. man, I love that kid. I, I think looking at TU, you know, I think we got a real telling of where they stand right now. The defense is stout. You know, I mean, they, they, they're fine on that. I think Davis needs to get more comfortable under center, and I think that'll come in time. I don't think TU's that far off. The, the, I don't either. The, the, the frustration about it all is that they go from an easy competition to a competition that they can and compare and to. Still and, in the now, game. And, and they're still in the game. But now they're going to go to a team that, you know, I get it, they lost to Oregon, but they're a right. team that with Ohio State, I mean, they're going to be playing one of the best teams in college football. And that's the only frustration is where does TU fall in this landscape? Because I think the true test for OSU is going to be this weekend in Boise. Right. No, yeah, it's going to be a real test because, like, even though Boise may be one and one right now, I mean, you're going on the road, you're going to a, like, you're going to go to a, 
I'm hoping, according to what Dan says, a hostile environment. Oh, it's insane. I mean, it's 35,000, 36,000, which doesn't seem like a lot. No, but when it's you fun. pack, yeah, I mean, he's loud. played on the blue. Dwight's, you know, yeah. faced the Broncos on the blue, and it's not an easy place to play. Yeah, but uh, the what I'm, you know, what I wanted to allude to is that, like, Gundy said that he's going to, you know, switch up the play schemes, switch up the play calls and everything. And I'm going to be interested to how it is executed right there in Boise because, like you said, it's not an easy place to play. What was the biggest thing that you remember about playing on the blue? Was it the fans, the blue uniforms, the field, so, the, the no humidity? I mean, what was it? <laughs> and so for me at that time, I'm a, I'm a true freshman uh-huh. and I'm playing so – I'm probably not as locked in as I need to be on the field because, again, you're playing Kellen Moore, you're playing Doug Martin, those guys, again, NFL guys. Uh, the scenery, oh, my gosh, you see the mountains in the background. It's it's like a movie, right? And, again, playing on the, on the blue field, you grow up playing NCAA. A lot of times we don't even play with Boise, but we want to play on that field. You can choose the stadium, sure. right? So we always want to play there. But uh, it, it was a dream come true. It was really cool, really great experience. Uh, but I would say more than anything, just the players that I was playing against, because, again, you grew up watching those guys. And as a true freshman, you know, it was like a real eye opener. I, I think the one team that Boise State wanted to play in the blue was the team down in Norman. Nothing against the Cowboys, <laughs> yeah, but sure. I think they wanted to have another rematch of that lovely Fiesta Bowl. Well, before we get out of here, we got to finish up with high school football. Dwight does a lot of training with a lot of these high school green country athletes. Dwight, what was your first perception of how week two of the high school football season ended? Because obviously we had the Broken Arrow Wasso matchup and we also had the Union matchup with Jinx. What's your take yeah, on Yeah, so both? I was actually at the Union Jinx matchup. A uh, little bit disappointed um, in, in Union as far as just putting points on the board. I know they have a great offensive coordinator, great mind. Um, like I said, they had a couple turnovers in the red zone. So the score looked a lot different than, than what it really showed uh, watching the game. Um, I wanted to see the matchup with the secondary for Owasso and the receiving core for uh, for Broken Arrow. That would have been fun to see. I mean, I'm, I'm curious to ask you. I mean, it seems like, especially in 6A, any given game, any pers- any team can win. I mean, it, it seems so stacked here in green country here in Tulsa. I mean, like – who do you think is going to come out of this as the top guy, top yeah, dog? Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty even right now. Like 6A1, like we have to decipher that, right? So 6A1, I don't necessarily really have a favorite right now. But again, I'm going to go with the defense. And I think Owasso has an elite D-line. And later on, as the season goes on, that's really going to come into effect, right? Especially when it gets cold and guys are not wanting to throw the ball like that, having to run the ball. If you can control the line of scrimmage, uh, you definitely have a, a greater percentage of running of, of winning. winning you, ball game. you grew up in Texas, correct? No, no, I'm actually from Oklahoma City. Man. Oh, 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 that's Alabama. right. That's right. Yes, okay. I gotta ask this. Looking at the perception of high school football, why is it that this side of the state owns 6A1? Like when did it change? So and why is it that way right now? So I, I feel like on that side where I come from, right, the west side of the state, it's more of a basketball type atmosphere you know they really they really hone in on basketball uh you have all the AAU a lot of the AAU guys come out of there now of course there's a lot of great talent that comes out of for basketball on this side of the state but and this is another reason why I ended up setting up shop here in Tulsa because again they take it so much serious and more of the 6A schools out here as well whether it be 6A1 6A2 right and uh, I mean you see like a lot of the players and a lot of the 
teams here in 6A. I mean, they're these are D1 players playing Definitely, with yes. the, each other, oh too. I mean, like, it's really exciting to see all these matchups. I mean, it seems like every single week we're looking at different types of potential matchups we're seeing in college. Yeah, so, and it's not just a 6A1. I mean, you know, Bixby, 6A2. Yes, Muskogee's had some players, we'll too. Look at T. Washington every year, Every right? year, yeah. I mean, there's just track athletes I mean, even in that like, are a combination of football players. Even in yes. schools where, like, it's not even necessarily here in green country, like Stillwater and everything. I mean, th- these are some legit players all around Oklahoma. It's so funny because I am from Texas, and, like, we obviously have, like, known to have these huge stadiums and sure. everything like Allen. that. Agreed. In terms of passion, though, I feel like Oklahoma is still right there where there's so much passion for high school football, and it doesn't really get recognized because it's not the flashy stadiums that you see. Right, and 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 again, going to a game back home at Carl Albert, I used to think we had that we always sell out, right? And I think those were those were really fun games to play in. But I got out here, the six a one games, six a two games, the crowd is bananas. Everybody has a student section, they're going crazy. Uh, a lot of tradition with the kids, they take it serious. Whether they're in the, I mean, the bands are awesome. It's it's crazy. It's it's almost. I stay. I sit around normally halftime. I'm going to go get some popcorn or something. I'm sitting around watching the band perform. So it's it's really fun to see. Yeah, and it's not even. Uh, excuse me. It's not even like the six A schools. Sometimes like even schools in Oklahoma City that are a little bit less, like Heritage Hall. I mean, John Marshall. I mean, those are legit. I mean, they produce D one talent right, right. there. Yeah, definitely. You were were you down in the era when Matt Kemp was playing baseball in Oklahoma City? You always knew about him. Uh, I was a I was a youngster then. I okay. can't remember how old I was, but you always heard about Matt. So, so who was the guy on the the west side of the state that you know became a name? Was Ky- Kyler or, or, or well, Kyler was a Texas kid. Excuse right, me. Right, um, right, right. But everybody know, knew about him though. Right, right. But it was there a guy that stood out to you when you played down in high school football? So when I was growing up, you would hear about guys like um, he played at Oklahoma. I can't think of his name right now. He's coaching. Went to Jinx. Uh, what is his name? High school American. Oh, D- uh, Darwin Thompson. Not Darwin Thompson, but he's a little older than him. Uh, I can't think why I can't think. So Aaron Colvin is one. Okay, okay. He was at Owasso. The other guy was at Jinx again. He was an All American as well. Gabe Lynn. Gabe Lynn. Gabe Lynn was a big time guy. So rivals again. Growing up, everybody's on rivals. I used to look at that page faithfully, seeing the stars come up. Who's who's adding a star? Who's getting one taken away? Looking at highlights. Looking at stats. So I was definitely big into that. And, again, being on the west side of the state, we were always curious about what is Tulsa doing that we're not doing. And, again, Jinx and Union is what it used to be growing up for me. And and they were like, you'd have thought they were many colleges, right, how they talked about them. <laughs> but Jinx was, was super big. But those are the two big names that I really used to pay attention to but, growing up. But I'm assuming right now you're not seeing a transition. It's probably going to stay on this side of the state at the season end when they raise a gold ball for the 6A oh, level. definitely, no doubt about it. Yeah, it's not even close. That's the sad thing about well, it. Well, before we get out of here, what are you doing these days with high school athletes? So some people, if they want to reach out to you, because I know you're doing a lot of work with the youngsters. Yes, sir. So, um, so again, I have my own training platform that I do, uh, working with all all ages. I'm really on the defensive side. The big thing is teaching, like I said, the coordination, um, overall foot speed, um, just really teaching the game, right? Trying to build confidence in these young in these young guys, and then also during the spring season, we have uh, Sooner Seven, which is a a seven on seven organization uh, that we travel around. You could compare it to uh, AAU basketball. Mm-hmm. 
right? It's it's the new wave. It's been around for a while, but again, in Oklahoma, we're a little slow. But that's that's what's going on. So that's what I do in my own time. Oh, that's exciting. I mean, you got like I said, a lot of times it seems like Oklahoma may not have a lot of talent in like from the grand scheme of things. They think of you know Texas, California, Florida, California, Florida, right, right, everything. But I mean, based on like what you've seen, I mean, there's plenty of talent to go around. Oh, here, I right? agree, man. I could go down a. a a bucket list of guys that, that I've been able to work with that I've seen that just come out of the state and really on this side of the state. And um, and you're right. The, the the quantity is not there as far as compared to Texas, the Florida, the Californians, but the quality is, right? And and you see it. Um, those guys, those high school teams going to play against these Texas teams, I think everybody won their game, actually. And that's, and that's something to say, no matter how good or bad sure. these Texas teams are, it's still something to brag about. And I bet you at, you know, Owasso Jinx Union, I bet you you have at least five or six guys on each team getting yes. a look for Division One football. Yeah, definitely. It, it's really a great time. Um, I don't know if it's ever really been like Because normally coming out, like I said, when I was growing up, you may have one, maybe two guys coming out of these schools. But now you got, uh, you look at Booker T. Washington, that whole secondary will play at the next level, Division One. So it's it's pretty awesome to see. Before we get you out of here, Give me the best story that you have on Coach Blankenship, because I know you two are tight. Well, the the best story, um, it, you know what? Because it's it's been so long. I, I just remember, like I say, when he first came in, he he, he told us that uh, we, we're definitely like, hey, listen, you guys buy into my system, what we're trying to do here, the vision that he had for us. Uh, he promises, like, hey, we're going to play in the Orange Bowl one year. I think that was – so it was definitely my my freshman year. And we had the chance to do it my sophomore year. We were right there. Uh, we didn't finish the game against Arkansas. We ended up losing that one. But that's the same year that we beat Iowa State um, in the uh, in Memphis in that bowl. So Liberty Bowl. The Liberty Bowl, yes. Yeah. So we were right there, right on track. Again, we just had to finish a couple different plays here or there. But – those were some great times back then. And for those that you don't know, that's Bill Blankenship, the former TU head coach, as well as yes, the sir. current Owasso head coach, yes. who looks like they're man, rolling right that, now. I, I tell you, man, everything that dude touches his goal, especially in high school football, is crazy. He's been he's been all around Spyro. the country. Seemed like yes, and they win, win, win. Win yep. championships is crazy. Heck of a coach. Well, it's gonna be it for us. We're gonna, like I said, we're gonna be. Doing more and more in podcasts now that football season is here. So follow us all on Twitter and uh, listen to the magic next week. For uh, Dan Hawk, I'm Johnny Resendez. Thank you guys for. Oh, don't forget about Dwight. Dwight Dobbins, man. Shout out Sooner Seven, man. Thank you guys. We'll see y'all next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Remember, you can follow Johnny Resendez as well as Dan Hawk on Twitter. Until next time, thanks for listening to Johnny and the Hawk. Also, for all the latest Oklahoma sports, check on newson6.com.